0: Hey, Luke. Hello, Cuties. I am coming at you from a Steubenville Hotel Room, the old Best Western. Join the mothership? I will be there tomorrow, all day, yeah. Have you been to Drovers? Drovers. Drovers is the one in West Virginia. No. It?
1: Have you been no, to no. Caprice, the place where you can only spend cash? Because who knows why they don't accept credit cards only one <laughs> cash. <laughs> We're not making any sort of insinuations here. Not run by illegal groups.
0: Yeah, no, I did not go there. I went to DJs. Oh, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, DJs is great. It was it was the it was built our senior year, and they have wings and ribs. That's why. Oh, you go. You is it go the place over? Else. Wait, where is it? In Weirton. It's in Weirton. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the Three Springs Drive or whatever, mm-hmm. across from Grisaldi's Bank. Uh, <laughs> <off> the Hancock Bank. <laughs> why did Grisaldi Bank there? Did You get a good return or something? Dude, he got like 4% interest on his checking account. I Man, John is such Isn't a better crazy? man
1: than the two of us.
0: So what are you up to? What are well, you up to?
1: I saw some movies. I thought we could talk saw about saw some them.
0: movies. We can talk about the movies. We can so, talk about the movies.
1: I saw Oppenheimer with my buddy Dave on Saturday. Oh, I'm back from Notre Dame. That was great. I'm exhausted.
0: Yeah. You feel good, though? Good time. You did good. I did.
1: I did, yeah. At one point in time, I was at a bar
0: uh, and I was like hanging off of a pole. So, you know, good times. Hanging off of a pole. Okay. Uh, did I text you the picture? You've texted me many pictures. I don't know if I saw you it's, hanging off of a not, pole. It's not,
1: I don't mean that in like a sexual way or anything. What? Anything like that. I just mean like I was like singing in
0: the rain kind of a thing. <laughs> i mean i just mean you know i was wearing assless chaps and there was a, <laughs> a shockingly high <laughs> amount of men there cheering for me someone was saying something about being a bear another about being a daddy it was beautiful <laughs> they were giving me dollars it was weird
1: <laughs> no yeah so Saul oppenheimer i really loved it saw barbie today really enjoyed it yeah I, I got some thoughts on some movies man and in pure Catching got- fox's form i've listened to other people's thoughts and I will be basing some of my thoughts off of those people's thoughts. And I wish I had written some of those people's thoughts down as well as the name of this one guy's YouTube thing that I don't remember. But
0: well, it'll be in the enough. show notes, so it's fine. Fair enough. Oh, good, good, good. You'll go and add that in?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joe, that's why whatever something guy. <laughs> <laughs> Joe will do it. Joe will do it. Joe, Joe's good like that. Joe's, Joe's, Joe's a good man. Poor Joe. We, we put Joe through the ringer.
0: <laughs> yeah, Poor he's guy. okay with it. He's okay. I talked with him you did okay i, I okay. talked with him we smoothed it over you know uh you oh by the way you owe him six bottles of whiskey uh <laughs> sorry just kidding them's, them's, the, rules. Yeah, them's the rules them's I, the rules i I'm, I promise you deliver just like the <laughs> catching foxes <laughs> show experience oh My God. yeah that's so funny woo woo
1: yeah. um so yeah so i thought if i would like to talk about barbenheimer as everyone has been uh right, you right. haven't seen any of these so it should be good so uh, why don't you ask me things and I'll and I'll answer things we can kind of go okay. things.
0: okay so uh I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan movies heard of them, and the great stories that we heard about Christopher Nolan was he was furious with w b because mm-hmm. of reasons mm-hmm. and um so he went to universal I believe it was universal mm-hmm. and they basically gave him what what, what was it like a hundred million dollar Budget two hundred, you know some. Oh, it's like, gave like crazy stuff. Yeah, they gave him money. tons of rights to replays and streaming and like things that usually directors don't get. So he had that. He had full writing credit, right for the for the movie. Uh, yes, 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 he did. So he did. there's an interesting thing that, from what I've heard for several years about Christopher Nolan, is he's kind of like George Lucas. He needs that other guy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to help rein in the the genius and uh to to do different things like that so uh, and typically so the other guy my... has been his brother actually who, okay uh, he, oh that's his cool I didn't know was, that. yeah
1: yeah so him and his brother were a writing team his brother i think has been doing westworld like one of the main writers
0: on on that okay that's over now right didn't they do three seasons and yeah that ended this last like, like last fall or something, something six, like seasons that. six seasons at a movie six seasons in a movie no so so it's really cool because christopher nolan gets to be full christopher nolan now the other things that i heard about the movie these are i watched a bunch of reviews tonight while i was waiting for you and one of the things that they talked about was sometimes he gets in his own way a little bit and so the movie could have been shorter or i, I whenever people say it could have been shorter i'm always nervous even i've said that before when you feel like it drags mm-hmm. but usually for me if i feel like it drags and i watch it again i don't feel that way and so whatever be be that as it may. Um the actors that he got they all were incredible especially so the main Gary, guy whatever Gary. his name is Peaky Blinder guy
1: Killian Murphy or whatever
0: yeah. yeah so him yep and then yep. uh Robert Downey Jr's character <laughs> Matt not Damon's know character
1: he was in it so I, I saw him. I was like is that Robert Downey Jr and then I'm like I think <laughs> yeah. it is and then I was like kind of going wait are, am I sure is it that one guy who could kind of passes him and like because a lot of his stuff is shot in black and white yeah so uh, I, w- I wasn't too sure at first. And then I was like, no, it's got to be. And then I was like, okay, yeah, it absolutely is. And he just, he flies. He, this is the best. I mean, he's a phenomenal actor, but he's able to, yeah. you know, Tom Cruise can run. Um, <laughs> <Keanu> <laughs> and he does the Mission be, Impossible movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves can be oddly detached, but interested. And Robert Downey Jr. can just be this really intense. I'm one of the most important people in the room. He just does it better than
0: almost anyone I've ever seen on screen and it's a delight. Yeah. A delight. You see, he's so, awesome because I like the way you said that I'm the most important person in the room, but without upstaging, like purposely trying, you know what I mean? Without mm-hmm. upstaging yep. others. Yep. Like he just yep. like, yeah, that's what I love about him. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I actually agree. He, he,
1: he, he doesn't in a way like kind of to compare it to basketball. I think this is true of LeBron James. I forget, but LeBron James takes, tends to make the people around him better. I believe that's one of the things that people like about him. I could be totally wrong about this, but he tends to make his team better through how he passes and 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 where he like um, puts himself. And I feel that Robert Downey Jr. is kind of like that as well. He somehow he just A, I'm rising tide will lift all boats. That's nice. kind of him.
0: Nice, cool. So yeah, and the then people who said uh, it's yeah. too long. They're 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 idiots. But uh, keep going. Well, so the one critique is like the best part of the movie revolves around the bomb this was the critique of feeling too long because they kind of do a disjointed chronology in bouncing back and forth in different parts of the story that is just the, right. the right, right, right. Um, the part that was the best was around the bomb and all of that, that kind of goes into it. And then the last hour of the film where it's more or less post the bomb mm-hmm. and his communism itself. while interesting, isn't as good as the first, two hours and so that's where people felt like it dragged and could have been tightened up but um, especially like some of the dialogue that Nolan wrote they said it if he didn't have as great an actor uh, as the actors doing the lines that it would have like the actors had to be on their a game because the script itself wasn't as great I, in that second third the third yeah like, how, of the like the last if you
1: were to split it up into two
0: three hours the yes. last hour
1: i guess but it's kind of like it's kind of like saying that star wars a new hope isn't as good as empire strikes back it's like yeah but it's star wars <laughs> you yeah. know so like it's yeah. i i i but you I, don't get empire without star wars exactly so, yeah. and and like it's just like let me say this so I, i'm gonna do my best to avoid spoilers so uh joe insert the the spoiler horn here You have to say spoiler alert, dude. You can't just do that. An atom bomb goes off.
0: <laughs> this will, this will shock
1: you, and it's one of the greatest thing I've I've seen in like a movie in, in hindsight.
0: All practical and effects.
1: It's it's insane. I I would agree with uh, I was I was I'm listening to Chris Ryan on the best the big picture, and he says it's one of just like I will remember that moment, and the more I thought because like I remember I was so I was with my buddy Dave. Dave liked it. He was. He was not as high on it as I was. He thought it was great, but he he said he would put it. We kind of ranked Christopher Nolan's films at breakfast a very slow-moving breakfast (laughs) and very slow-moving. And
0: I mean, I cannot cannot emphasize enough how slow-moving this breakfast was. But uh, (laughs) what do you you mean? What what was so slow-moving about it? A lot of drinking the night before. (laughs) Oh,
1: gosh. (laughs) Oh, Gomer, my poor liver. Let me just tell you what my liver was like during my two weeks at, at grad school. Remember when this is this is the joke I probably made too many times. Remember when you know, that's that scene from Black Sheep that got really popular during the pandemic because it was kind of like they turned into, into like a meme about how 2020 felt. And it's like Chris falling Frally down the mountain. on the hill <laughs> and he's like grabs on to these roots. and goes, oh, little roots, please stay strong. <laughs> and They fall like my like my liver was those roots and I was like please stay strong please stay strong oh you're not oh no so yeah a little 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 slow little slow but and, and I mean on top of like an intense amount of gra- graduate work yeah it was not a two week party i want to be clear about that but i'm like I'm another name would be very happy but then i'd say there's been a few people who have joined the program because of the show so maybe you know maybe give it to you for free <laughs> exactly yeah i'm kind of not kidding but anyways um no i, I am Sorry, you were you were on a really good roll. Keep going.
0: What the hell was I saying? I don't, I don't even know, remember. You were just
1: saying like so. Uh, you were going more into no no no. Like you were telling me about movie. ranking. No no. Oh, you were ranking the ranking for ten. Of okay yeah, yeah yeah. So the Chris okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So my buddy Dave. <laughs> I remember now. My buddy Dave said he would put it in the bottom half of Christopher Nolan's twelve films. I would say I would have it in the top. I was like, I'm not sure I'd have it at the top, but it would be maybe top five. And now I'm thinking. Might be my number one film by him i I'm gonna again steal from the big picture this time this was from the uh host Sean Finnessy. he called it a masterpiece with some like like some flaws but still a masterpiece and i'm I'm leaning that way the more I have thought about it, particularly when I compare it to Barbie. In a good way, actually, uh, when I compare and contrast it to, to Barbie, in a good way. I think these films are actually, I think this is wonderful. This has been like, in terms of like me being excited about movies, this is the most I've thought about on movies since probably Infinity War or Endgame.
0: So, you I, were that excited for the Barbie movie?
1: I, you know, I, I wasn't, I almost didn't go because I have a lot I've got to do. I was like, no, I, I, and I wanted to, and I, so I asked all of our um, patrons. I'm like, hey, are we kind of like over the Barbenheimer thing? And they were like, absolutely not.
0: Please talk about. It's like, well, I'm going then. Yeah. So it's so funny. So let me let me just list the movies that he is a director of. So there's 17. Mm -hmm. Tarantella, which is a short, and Larceny and Doodlebug; those are all shorts. Okay. Oh, and count. So then, following Memento, Insomnia. Batman Begins. Great movie. The Prestige. Good movie. The Dark Knight. Fin- like, all timer. Yeah. Inception. Good movie. The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, not bad. Interstellar. Good movie. Quay. Didn't see it. Dunkirk. Great movie. Tenant. Have not seen it. You didn't see Tenant? And then Oppenheimer. Okay.
1: I think Tenet came out when all the stuff was happening, so no. But uh, <laughs> came out. we'll get to that eventually, yeah. everyone. <laughs> Wait. Uh, yeah, I, I think Oppenheimer is probably my favorite.
0: <sighs> okay. Wow. The favorite out of all of those. More than Dark Knight. <sighs>
1: yeah. Oppenheimer is a better movie. Uh, sorry,
0: sorry, sorry. Oppenheimer is a better film. so so i'm fine with that i'm fine with that distinction absolutely yeah but let me let me just like out of sequence out of chronology filmmaking like memento which literally goes backwards in like minute increments right yeah um and then you have obviously inception which is not about well it is about time obviously distortion because of the different layers but but yeah yeah yeah, spatially distortion and all that stuff yeah um and, of course, Interstellar playing with time in terms of the black holes and the fact that he returns roughly the same age and his daughter is a grandmother. Like, And then tenant, which literally walks backwards through time. Man, that is interesting. Okay. Yeah. He really loves playing with time.
1: He does. It's it's kind of like one of his, like, he's, again, yeah, we're going to do what Catching Foxes does best, actually, uh, and what some people would say that Oppenheimer did to a certain extent. Uh, we're going to stand on the uh, shoulders of better men than us Catholic stuff did that podcast we talked about where they compared Tenet and I think in Inception they, they talked about how the they compared it to the Christian faith where like we know the end but it doesn't mean that we that we understand like what happens from now until then and that's what I think he's doing there and so it's because it, he he's he does it to enhance the story he's trying to tell and I and I thought that it's like it is one of the things that you will hear constantly about. Oppenheimer's it is a relentless um, the film and I would 100% agree with that It's kind of people said a lot about uh, a little bit of Aaron Sorkin vibes in terms of like a lot of men walking and talking so there's which, which I love I yeah. just love and I, I like I love a good um, how they do it. it's why I loved air I want to see how it happened even if it's not true just like give me the gist of it I, I, yeah. I love that stuff and so yeah it's it is relentless nice okay okay so, is there I'm trying any- to rank I'm, I'm trying no, to sure, rank please. my do it.
0: No, no, no. I'm just trying to think about it because I loved Memento when that came it's out. F- I, I remember watching it in college. And I was like, oh,
1: this is wow. Ooh, like It was kind of like, this is good. He's. Let me put it this way. I think Christopher Nolan is now, it's not that I wouldn't put him there before, but now I would absolutely put him in the spot of he is a filmmaker you should be paying attention to now. If you have not seen his movies and if you have enjoyed our movies at all ever, which is everyone, I very much encourage you to go and watch his his stuff
0: yes what so would you say I think like
1: I, your top three
0: top three i think number three would be inception no 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 no, no, no sorry i was just like you, you oh, can't okay. say i'm sorry, so, sorry. Just,
1: i'm not say sorry. sorry not we are not too good yet at, at communicating
0: without out the video we'd we be very good at that i, was I just, thought you know. i was waiting for you to go huh yeah, so, sorry huh, but, well hmm. Gorm, gormley advanced the thesis that i despise um no i think it would be inception because i remember watching that movie for the first time And just how mind blown I was by all the visuals Mm -hmm. and everything, Mm -hmm. and that like I loved all the characters. I love Leonardo DiCaprio in that, Um, and then Memento. I think because again, that was like genre defying. I need to watch that again. Yeah, it it was truly like nothing I had seen before. Yeah, I really. And that was in the year two thousand, so that was pretty. That was pretty incredible in terms of like his last twenty. I mean, twenty three years of making films. You start with. He didn't start with Memento, but I mean that's pretty that much the first like,
1: yeah. That's where that, that's where like your average American who like liked watching a movies first heard of him,
0: yeah. And then
1: uh, Dark Knight would be number one. Yeah, I mean it's Dark Knight's a phenomenal film, phenomenal movie.
0: Obviously, like it's it's a phenomenal movie. It's a big movie. It's fun because it's Batman and mm-hmm, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I now I like Tenet. A lot of people that that kind of like similar movies to me, they like Tenet as well but they're just trying to tell that story where things go backwards through time. You know, Oh, you didn't shoot the bullet. You caught the bullet with the gun. Like there are just so many plot holes that get opened up with that, that I like, and, and other like kind of incongruities in the storytelling that I was like, eh, okay. Okay. But I loved to me, like I can suspend all of that disbelief. And just enjoy the fact that some things are going in reverse while everything else is going forward. And to try to tell visually that story is incredible. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. what does it look like when you're having a car chase where sometimes some of the cars are going in reverse? And I don't mean physically reverse. I mean reversing through time. Like, that concept is just incredible. And the fight scenes where they're fighting each other and they're like, yeah doing like <laughs> yeah it's just crazy how they did it and so i loved i love the storytelling side of of tenant but i didn't or the the visual telling but i didn't care for the story itself he's an overwhelming filmmaker
1: in the best way possible yeah his his movies are and this has been a, a critique i believe this is one of the one of uh red letter media's big critique was just how loud Oppenheimer was, and they compared it to Twelve Angry Men, where you like, like you can have people in a room who are screaming at each other, who are like you know, men talking fast at each other, and they don't need sound because you know there's not and there's just an overwhelming amount of sound. But I think that's also the his it's meant it's it's not because it's not a like one of the things I hate. Mm, I don't hate this because at times it can be cool, but like isn't it cool that we're doing this? You know, like like loud sounds, <laughs> big big bangs. It can yeah. be fun when it's like, yes, it is. Thank you. You know, but like that's why I think like the Brad Pitt driving down on the Sunset Strip in on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is an example of that. It's just here's Brad Pitt being a freaking movie star. Enjoy. It's like thank
0: you. I will. Like that's just fun. <laughs> um, that you told me that I remember because I still haven't seen it. Oh. And when you told me that, I mean, I was like, yeah, that's that's hysterical. That's yeah, so it's a meta. Whole, Yeah, it's
1: yeah, it's just like art movies great. That's the whole point of that. Art <laughs> movies great. And, and you uh, would agree. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it uh but like he's he's trying to overwhelm you w- like with sound, with editing, with with the pace, with the confusing plot lines because I think it's I think and if you want to we can still I'm, I'm totally fine with this for right now sticking to the function of the film, or the, or the, like in terms of like just all the cool stuff, as opposed to like what is what is it about actually? Which I know we are going to to get to, but I I don't want to skip over just like the um, surface levels stuff either.
0: Now, did you read American Prometheus? That the movie's based on? No,
1: no, I I oh, man, I, I thought I, that would be your wheelhouse. I, I I think I heard of it, but I I th- want to say at one point in time I may have I may have considered it on Audible. I am it is seven hundred. Pages and is, and is and is apparently insanely dense. I'm absolutely going to be listening to it probably at some point in time. I I may I'll make it a book, but I I tend to be in a spot right now where a lot of my biographies those are, are what I listen to on Audible because they're just to me that's the kind of stuff I like to hear while I'm doing other things.
0: Yeah, like yeah. like
1: I don't want to have to think about it. I just want to enjoy it as opposed to like like Dante's Inferno I want to sit down and read that I want to I want to Mm. wrestle with that for but there's no I mean you can wrestle with a biography but I just want some like good takeaways and then
0: be done with it you know what's funny is kind of my prescription for audible is like okay what what is best read to me and I'm I'm right there with you like biographies historical things like Mm -hmm. things that Aren't going to make me pause and think, but rather narratives that I want to feel the flow through. That to me is audible. So the majority of my fiction is going to be audible because I love it when professional readers who are really really good at the craft can like read a story to me mm-hmm. and I can mm-hmm. get lost in it. Right, and so for me, historical things, bibli- uh, biographies, and stuff like that 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 fits that because it's a kind of like a narrative unity. What I'm finding, though, is my my other thing of using Audible for, like, theology and philosophy is it doesn't – the flow doesn't let me pause and ponder like reading a book does, which is why reading a book takes me so long. So, for instance, I have Dr. Abigail Favale's The Genesis of Gender as a hard copy book, as an, a Kindle book, and as an Audible book and they're great in all three mediums right and what i found was though when i listen to her audiobook it has to be after i've read the book or mm-hmm. else i can't it it just flows over me and i'm like number one she's an incredible writer and so i'm we're doing this stuff me and dave so me and dave i got to hang out with dave van vick the last two days for every need shall Bow, we recorded in person and we're doing a semester on um marital and sexual morality questions and discipleship type stuff for every knee shall bow. And as we're talking through this stuff, I'm like in the mornings, I'm listening to her audiobook and I'm realizing like, oh no, oh no. I need to be reading her book and then while I'm doing other stuff, have the audible stuff play in the background of what I already read. So it like cements in my head because right now I'm I'm losing it. Right. So yeah. It is interesting what 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 you need to read versus Or what you enjoy reading versus having read to you.
1: Hmm. Hmm. That is interesting. Like
0: Bishop Barron talks about he's tried like 10 times to read Dostoevsky, and then someone suggested that he gets it on Audible and he like went through all the Dostoevsky books because he could not bring himself to fight through the Russian names and stuff but having a Russian expert reader who can like say the word and then you're like oh yeah that's Aloysius or oh yeah that's you know mm. alexandrovna yep it just it ended up like oh this is the story so i did that for crime and punishment and i was like oh the the narrator was perfect and i was like i'll never go back lord of the rings saga never go back the guy's singing all the all the elven songs and all this stuff i'm like i know yes please i had that with harry potter anytime the i remember
1: i downloaded (laughs) illegally the audiobook (laughs) version in 2009 when i was driving out to california he would say hermione like he would do hermione's voice going harry like that it was this weird way like this high-pitched he would go high and then low and then drag it out in this weird way, like Harry. And I was like, Ugh, and it distracted what? you. Yeah. Oh, it was it, it. just pulled you out of it. Pulled me out of it immediately. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> you got to be careful. Ugh. You got to be careful. Yeah, but there was one audible book, and and I'll get off uh, audible here. But there was Man. one audible book that I thought would be better, um, and it actually made it ten times worse to the point where I couldn't stand it. Which was one of my science fiction series had become so popular the expeditionary force that for one of the audiobooks they did an audible exclusive and they had a full cast oh yeah so they had they had the narrator who's rc bray who's probably i mean he's in the top three of the greatest all-time audible narrators his voices are so distinct You, you don't even he's incredible so he still narrated and he was like a couple characters but then they had the dude the oh gosh the evil guy from the heroes you know skyler oh or yeah Siler. yeah he was spock yeah, that guy mm-hmm. yeah spock there you go that's a modern film other than a show from 15 years ago <laughs> yeah so he was like one of the characters and they had a whole bit and i didn't like i didn't like the voices because they weren't the voices that have been in my head nor when i read it physically nor were they the voice of rc bray of these characters and i just hated it. it it's weird what your brain will just reject for mm-hmm. you like yeah isn't it i think that's so funny i
1: remember being so my my grandparents when we were in high school started taking us on a vacation every uh summer it was it was awesome and they had (laughs) as grandparents would do in the 90s they had a book of cds of old radio shows that you could buy like so okay gen z there was a time where you could buy would be this plastic binder okay a binder is the wrong word but like it was almost like a folder filled with CDs, and he would like open it up and have like I'm six on one side or like I'm six on the other. It was really weird. You Ever
0: see anything like that? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Just so weird. So they had that. Yeah, f- the big CD
0: CD envelope things.
1: Well, no, no, not <laughs> not the stuff that we would put our um, CDs in. You would buy like, hey, here's like, you know, the like here's a Beach Boy collection, and you would like open it up and it would be on a plastic. And they'd have all the CDs in there. Oh,
0: okay, I see what you know, you're but, saying. Yeah, yeah, that is weird. Like, it, yeah. was, it was it was
1: it was like the plastic on one of the old animation uh, films. That's funny. Yeah, it was weird. But and I thought I thought I was gonna like, and there was a bunch of old um radio shows, and I, was, and I thought I was going to like it, and I was just like, no, I just can't. It just something like again, like I love stories. I like old stuff. I I just thought I would like it, and I was just like, I just can't. It's just like I can't get into this. I don't know what's wrong with me and it's just my brain was just like no no
0: no not i'm not having it
1: nope (laughs) so yeah okay
0: let's go back let's go back to so you haven't read american prometheus neither have i i don't know if that's going to be a book that i dive into i feel like it should because i've gotten into you know there's a a lot of the 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 old debates around the dropping the atomic bomb Mm -hmm. and was that morally permissible has Mm -hmm. resurfaced again in kind of new new historical light of like not really a new historical life, but like rethinking. So one, you target enemy non-combatants, mm-hmm. but in Japanese culture, can you say that adult men and women were non-combatants in a culture that said every one of them would rather die than see their emperor you know, lose? And they would, mm-hmm. you know, like, it, it, it's just fascinating. And so the, these are some of the considerations. Like, the, it's more than just like if we were to go drop a bomb on Canada tomorrow in order to end a war and kill a bunch of innocents. Like the the, the society was structured a little bit differently. Anywho, so it's interesting to see this movie coming into prominence as as we are contemplating like you do you get to see the character contemplating what he has done as like yes. is that like front and center of his oh, movie. Very, very, very much. Very, very I mean that's I would say it's one of the
1: main points of, of the film is not necessarily his conclusion but the fact that he has to reckon with that is one of the points so it's it's his experience it's, it's his experience of the reckoning that is the point not not where he ends up because he ends up being very much against it so i mean that's not a spoiler that's that's historical i mean the whole film is yeah i mean and I, i've heard people now i think this was the author of the book but who said this is like the most historically accurate film that's ever been been made? So probably a bit hyperbolic. But as someone who reads a decent amount of history, still watches a lot of a a lot of movies, it it's 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 a movie that feels like history in a way that very few films do. I I actually like. One of the things that uh, crossed my mind and while I was watching it, and I felt so validated when I heard it on other podcasts, there are yeah. some strong JFK vibes.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Very, very strong JFK. But the difference of JFK is a film built on paranoia and conspiracy, and like it's Oliver Stone's hypothetical, this is what could have happened, where a lot of this stuff is very well documented. Yeah. So, And you can read their there are transcripts of the of you know of uh, court of court hearings and of you know, like other meetings and all this stuff. So it's like this is what happened, and quite often I'm sure there was a lot of different um liberties that were it, taken, but it feels there is there is a realness to this film that is really striking. Like one of the things that, and this is just because like this is where Luke's brain goes now that really hit me was how jealous I was of like how they had arranged their homes. You could see there were, there were areas for people to sit and talk. And there's a lot of like how there's a lot of house parties in this film. There's a lot of people getting together and to talk about things and both in meeting rooms in classrooms and then at their, at their um, homes, You, you see a lot of organized groups and I, and I like found myself watching it going, I really wish my living room wasn't built around the TV.
0: I wish I oh, had a place oh, oh, oh. where people could just go and talk.
1: Yeah. And I, I just, I was like, I'm envious that he had a home that didn't have a television. And now I could do that. It's not going to happen. You know, but um, I, I just found myself going, man, that I found myself like uh, almost like almost a yearning for a time that I had never
0: experienced
1: and and that was not yeah. the intent of the film at all. I, I don't think,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: but uh, I mean, who knows?
0: It could have been, but wouldn't that be funny if his whole, the whole like, point actually, of the yeah. movie was, yeah, I want to see more uh, social interaction. But, but let's I, idiot box let's boob doob
1: if you well, know what i mean, I mean <laughs> there there is though I, I will say there is an element to it of this is it yeah. is very mo- apparent that this was the decision not of like there was th- this was not a one-man show in the sense that he didn't just create that a mom on his own it was a collective group of people that did it. that he was the he was in charge of it for the most part um mm-hmm. so there is a element of like we live in a society to this that i i think is lacking like there's a there's a scene where they go he goes to and uh, a bunch of people who are working on the bomb they really have a meeting to to debate is it right for us to be to be doing this and you get a and it's just like that's right people used to go in rooms and to talk about b- big ideas and like we do that now but like not like that and so it, it was that was kind of interesting Hey, I'm here to talk to you about NET at netusa.org slash apply. So you guys may have heard me talk about on the podcast in the past that one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't do NET. I think I really would have loved it. I almost went to NET Australia, I think, or something. It was talked about. Uh, my friend Danielle called, maybe NET Island. I don't remember. It was like 20 years ago. Anyways, I have worked with NET in the past for other projects I've been a part of. I've been to their home campus. They're a fantastic organization. One of the most impressive I've ever been with an organization was actually when I went to go and visit NET from top to bottom. Just awesome, amazing people. And they are calling you today to apply to be a NET missionary. If you or or someone you know could serve to be a NET missionary, please tell them about this link, netusa.org slash apply. The reality is that young people today are growing up in a Largely post-Christian culture, making choosing the faith all the more difficult. A vast majority of Catholic youth are disconnecting from the church during their teenage years. Net Ministries is passionate about challenging young Catholics through relational ministry to follow Christ and embrace a life of community in the church. That's why working alongside youth ministers, parishes, and schools, Net Missionaries help young people encounter the person of Christ through evangelization and discipleship. As a NET missionary, you will meet young people who need to hear your particular story. Your journey with the Lord matters. You can be an example to young people of how to make the faith their own, allowing Christ to enter into their lives. Your story has a purpose. The Lord has a call for you. If you're between the ages of 18 to 28 and interested in serving the Lord as a NET missionary, go to netusa.org/apply. That's netusa.org/apply and fill out an application. Not able to apply yourself? Share about NET's mission with a young adult in your life and encourage them to apply today. That's netusa.org slash apply. N-E-T-U-S-A, usa U-S-A, U-S-A, N-E-T-U-S-A.org slash apply. Go check out netusa.org slash apply and, and become a NET missionary. This is the Lord calling you to do it. Do it. Luke said so
0: keep on asking stuff because i'm loving this well it just it the way you said that was it reminded me of my friend's house who had a front sitting room mm-hmm. and they hated it because it was like a waste of space to them because it made the kitchen and the family room so much smaller yeah and because today we would just chop down that wall yep. have a great room you know whatever yep. and but there was nothing to do in that room other than, you know, one set of that room was a giant window that faced the street mm-hmm. and the small front porch. And the other part of that room was a just a wall. And it's mm-hmm. a narrow, long room. So all it could have was a couch and two chairs in the corners on either side of the window. And all you could do in there was either, you know, you come and have your little kids play in there. So they put blocks and stuff down or you and you sat and chatted with your friends and i was like yeah every time i went over their house we either sat at the kitchen table or we sat in the sitting room we never watched tv we never mm-hmm. you know and it was funny because like that that room f- imposed itself and as you were saying that i was like oh yeah we had that in my house we had a formal dining room and living room that was kind of like a great room setup and on the other side of the wall was our family room and kitchen and so the formal dining room that we went into only like twice a year for like Christmas and Easter dinner. Um, that was, it was just like a cut through to the front door. But then we had the sitting room, and I'd be like, "Mom, what's the point of this room?" And she's like, "So that we can have company." And we did. Like we were at the end. Our generation was at the end of people just showing up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And my mom had the entomins coffee cake, and we've talked about that before. But like people would just show up, and you would sit in that in that in that um, we called it the living room. You would sit in the living room or the parlor room, whatever you want to call it. And my mom had a fancy couch with two fancy chairs that could be fancy because no one ever went in there unless people company was over. And it was like that's where the antique cabinet, uh, china cabinet was. And I just think of like stuff like that. That it's like it's sad that that's gone. That it's all replaced by you know, like you said, it's all built around the TV. And how funny that you said it doesn't have to be like I could take my TV out of there. I mean, I'm not gonna. like that's so true like because there are times where i think about that like i watch my kids Mm -hmm. during the summer it's you know surface of the sun hot in houston so it's like from noon to four my kids can't be outside i mean i mean they can and they go outside for a little bit but you're outside for 15 minutes you're getting sunburn and a heat stroke so they come inside we come up with stuff for them to do but then at the end of the day it's like can i watch tv can i play a video game and you know we micromanage that stuff pretty strongly but it's like I just, I want you to go do something else. Wouldn't it be great if you didn't have the uh That's, a, yeah, I mean, I
1: would. like I, I, I yeah. Listen, I mean, like I watched three episodes of Dora last, last evening so I could make dinner, you know, <laughs> so, and, <laughs> and uh, eat dinner and you know, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm with you, but I'm like, am I, am I exerting some mental energy and some physical energy here that I really don't, I maybe
0: don't need to, I don't know. I don't know. If Meaning if you didn't have the TV, you wouldn't mm-hmm. have to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, now, like, but I'd probably yeah, but then my you phone. have the other then you have the other thing to worry about, which is the child. Well, now, what do, <laughs> what, what do, I, what do I what do I do to entertain them?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 fair.
0: Okay, so back to the talk, movie. You, yeah, you did. He, did what do you think of the sex scenes? Were they gratuitous? Like some people were saying, were they?
1: Okay, so I need to add a caveat to this. There are from what I recall around two sex scenes. One, I had I had to pee at one point in time so i left cuz i was like i think this is going to be i i like kind of got a vibe of, of like what it was going to be about and i was like this will be worth the 90 seconds i just really have to pee i'm not going to make it so when come come back this is when the second um uh, um sex scene happens so i don't know if there was actually a um sex scene but there was definitely like a nude a woman on this on the screen um i don't think it was gratuitous i but i also want to add that I think th- um, that nude scenes in films are inherently wrong because I think you can't necessarily... Con- well, I don't know. Okay, how do I put this? It's the idea of like, it's not necessarily wrong to show I'm sex on the screen as much as it is wrong for those two people to have to have to simulate sex with other people watching. That's like the higher wrong, I believe, is what I... is, is and is is an argument i have heard and i actually buy into that that being said i do think from a story standpoint and what they're trying to get across about him as a person and this woman in his life it makes sense to me why she would be nude if you were to paint um and there's a particular image i'm i'm, I'm, I'm thinking of when she's in a chair and she is naked and i don't recall i believe it's just the the um I believe it's just uh, her breast, not the bottom half of her body. Not that I'm not trying to. I'll make an argument. I'm just trying to say this is like what I remember. That if that was a painting, it makes sense why she would be why she would be nude. And there are nude paintings. That I'm not saying that like of course I'm sure there are pornographic nude paintings. I'm not trying to argue that 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 were made 300 years ago. I'm just saying there's a reason why the, the, the people in those paintings are nude. There's a reason why she's nude in this scene and I think it makes sense in the context of that story. So in my mind, she is representing she's like the purest woman in his life. She's Aphrodite. She is his like his like true love that he can actually be truly intimate with. She's also kind of like nuts, which is part of the part of I think why he's obsessed with her because she can't be controlled. And so I think why she is nude in in the scene is to show that one, they have a very um, physical intimacy, but then that he almost like can't, c- can't control again. Like she's like almost like a goddess to him, mm-hmm. but she um, represents to me in that film to the character, the purest form of woman in his life. You can say that it's, that it's bad or wrong that she is that. And that's, that's a fair point. I think that's kind of the, the point too <laughs> is that but she is this sheer force of womanhood that he is enthralled with and i think her being her being nude is a way to try to like to like to represent that in a very primal way because that's what it almost is to him he can't help but be enthralled by her because for whatever reason she's the the goddess of
0: love to him is her Mm mm-hmm So, so you're saying in a way it's not, it it adheres to the, it adheres to the plot line. Oh, 100%. It makes sense. It makes sense with what's happening. Yeah. Without being lustful. Mm -hmm. It's presented, you know, it's still, it's still a naked woman on the screen, but it's not meant to be. No. Yeah. It's not meant to be arousing to the audience.
1: No, no, no. I, I think if you're anyone with the ounce of maturity. And I, 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 again, there are, I'm not seeing the jury. So right how did there. you do? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, Hail Mary for the great. No. Um, <laughs> that's the old Super old trick that we used to do, where you would close your eyes and just try to not. <laughs> Anywho, um, so. Uh, <laughs>
0: what you do is you just get a really big drink, and you hold it up over your face. It also works for scary movies. If you want to not see <laughs> exactly. a scene, and just you put put drink a, your drink.
1: Put the popcorn <laughs> all over your lap to try to hide anything. Um,
0: <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. No, you're not. Not even remotely. I can't. <laughs> I can't help it. I was born this way. <laughs> but yeah, so
1: I, I don't know. I just think to me again, there there it is a valid complaint to say should there be nudity in in films? I would say no because of not because of what is per- portrayed per se all the time, but like all the time, it's it's a it absolutely can be that. Okay, I want to be very clear. Like okay, there's no reason to have a nude scene in a film like 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 american pie that is just pure lust okay
0: yeah this is not
1: that at 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 all but i still think it is wrong because of how you have to make that and there are some people as well that are upset from the hindu community because one point time where they're actually like like in the act of of having sex uh she reads she has him read to read him a line from a book in Hindu, that's where he says, "I am death, the destroyer of worlds." Because she asked him, "On what it says," and he was able to read it. Yeah, and but again, a great I, line. Mm-hmm, and it's there's a reason why he does that, and to me, it makes somewhat sense. Or this pure intimate thing with like the main love of his life, or not even love. She's she's the only other obsession of of his life. I would say that's on the was on the level of his work, or or, or like outdid that because i mean like he's a man of like a lot of passion he really does care for his brother he cares he cares for the state of new mexico he cares for science he cares for people he cares for causes he's a man who like deeply cares about things but very few things compared to his love for science or to her so or okay. we could even okay. say like his love for his own intelligence like, mm. he, he's a man who's very aware of how that he is not just the smartest just a, guy in any room. <laughs> yeah, like possibly like he's he's aware that he goes that he can and does go toe to toe with Einstein. Yeah. You know, and like they and they show that because that's what actually happened. How was that scene? Really cool. I thought. But
0: who, I think who was Einstein? I forget. I forget. Oh, um, sorry. I shouldn't be asking you who every actor. No, no, is no. The no. It's, there
1: are a tremendous amount of like, holy crap, this guy. <laughs> like, but I'm also yeah. like not paying attention. But I just had no idea. The amount. I'll try of to like, pull it up while you're talking. Oh, there are there are just a tremendous number of of actors and actresses. But it, this is definitely a male dominated film, and that's been a critique as well. One of it's a critique of all of all of his movies. I. I understand that. I just don't think it's really all that important to the, like, he's, that's not the story that he's telling.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he's. it's a time when Tom Conti is Albert Einstein. Okay. Okay. Like, oh, cool, man. He looks nothing like him. So they must, oh, there it is. Oh, yeah, that looks awesome. And it, it doesn't feel like a famous person
1: doing Einstein, you know, like it, it, yeah. that's all, like an actor doing Einstein. It feels like a character in the film. That's It, it is a little jarring at, at first but then once they get into it it's it's really i don't know it's a um i want to get into the overall the themes a bit of it but it's it's a film that really um, wrestles with like what did we do like what like yeah. what have what have we made here because you know there's a there's a part early on in in the film when one of this guy does a a calculations that actually ties into the one of the um one of Einsteins earlier scenes um where he's, there's a chance that when the bomb goes, when they, they're, they're still trying to even just see if they can build a bomb like, like this. But if it, if they do build it, could it actually destroy the entire world? It basically would ignite the atmosphere
0: and just destroy right. it and just kill the entire world. And Is that the Matt Damon scene? It's, um, it's that, it, that I heard was the few moments of levity in the whole movie with some of the scenes. with yeah, Matt Yeah. It's
1: like, it's, Brought back
0: up to Matt
1: to Matt Damon. He's great,ed by the way. Matt Damon's phenomenal. It, That's phenomenal. what every review said. Very, very good. Um, I would not be surprised if he is nominated for probably best supporting actor. I thought he was excellent, but no, it's actually before that. But it, it gets it gets brought up to to him, where basically there was a chance that, and so they basically had to do some. They found that oh my gosh, there's we could like ignite the atmosphere and destroy the entire world, and so uh, obviously that didn't that did not happen but there was still the remote like there was not a zero percent chance of of that happening which is one of the things which that makes the, not a zero percent that's right what a funny thing like that <laughs> like i mean like it's it's it, it, it's it's you like not to pivot to barbie yet but one of these things that these two films have in in common is they are both about breaking limits well sorry actually, no let me re- repackage that they are both about the consequence of not having all limits like these guys split the atom because they could and to and not to be that guy but like freaking A Dr. Ian Malcolm once again was right like they rushed to it before they should even they even stop to ask themselves should they should we do this and it's a consequence of like what happens when you do go on un- you, when you engage in unlimited power or in unlimited ability what is the consequence because like his argument is he did it because they could but doesn't mean that they like that they sh- that like just because they did it doesn't mean that the army then had to go and use the bomb yeah but the counter argument is like then why do you even do it just because you can why do it like you, and you see this like, with AI right now. Like, okay, so we can do this. We don't have to. There's no gun to our head saying you you have to do this. Now, the, the interesting part of this film is, and this is very, very real, the Nazis were, were building an atom bomb. I mean, they were trying to do that. It was actually a guy that he meets earlier on in, in the film who's in, who was in charge of that project. And he was very aware of what the... And so, um, Oppenheimer was very aware of what the Nazis were doing, particularly because he was um, Jewish and he was very engaged in world politics. So he knew the consequences of the Nazis getting an atom bomb. That was a very real thing. That's that was not. I mean, they weren't. Could you imagine? I know. if they did, like, ugh. These were they had very, very they had very intelligent men that were working on this. And there's like one scene, and, and again, I'm sorry, this is a, a, a spoiler, but I think it's worth, like, to me, it's worth, like, you, like, it's not going to spoil anything, because it's going to actually make your enjoyment of the film even that much better, in my opinion. But anyway, so that being said, spoilers, Um, where someone who is in Europe, he's able to escape. He, he's a scientist. He meets up with Oppenheimer. And he's telling them on the progress that they're that this guy, who I guess was a colleague out in Europe, where he was with, with, with Dan and Baum. And they realized that he went down a road that they already knew was a dead end. And so it shows how far behind they are because he's going down a road that they know isn't going to work out. But it's like, what if he knew that earlier? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know how close they they got, but to to act like there was no t- chance is just false. I mean that they, it probably is an act of God that they didn't get it. I mean, I could be. T- I
0: mean, I I don't. I, I just hope so. I hope so because so, we stole all of those German scientists after the war. Could you? Um, oh my gosh! I mean, they would yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, the like the hell, they would have. They would. Hitler would have used it in Paris, in London, in Moscow, mm. and every major city. They between. tried to destroy Paris they yeah. literally i can't remember what stopped them from doing
1: that there's a thing that happened i think i i can't remember what but they were going to dis, I mean, they were going to burn all of paris to the ground there was a very real chance that that could have happened
0: and so it um you know and, what's interesting is is thinking through this like these implications because you know history didn't begin in in 19 you know 30 or whenever hitler mm-hmm. was elected and the nazi party yep. came to power it you know, the, these are like the final consequences of World War One and the events that lead you to World War One. And I was listening to one, you know, ac- uh, one historian talked about that World War One and World War Two are the same World War, just with a delay in the middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, and it's like it. In a lot of ways, it all goes back to Napoleon and the effect that Napoleon had on Europe on the world number one every army in the world is napoleon follows napoleon's model and that's why we all use french terms a battalion a platoon mm-hmm. lieutenant like it's all redone under the the napoleonic model well, isn't that that's the beginning of the civilian army like yeah in, it's the beginning in, of total war on a
1: mass scale on a mass yeah. on a mass scale so it's like you had that during the the america the American like revolution but not on the scale that you had during
0: the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah. The American Revolution was funny because the Continental Army, you you know, they were taking people, but there was a large por- – the, the majority of citizen, citizen soldiers, many of them were just local militias that were more like guerrilla fighters than joining the Continental Army. Yeah, and um, yeah. But then under Napoleon, it was, no, there is one army, the French Army, and they basically invented a new term which is bureaucracy and you the army will become the biggest bureaucracy in order to funnel in the great line the famous line that he had was uh you know they spent what was it like they spent 30,000 troops in a year and i spent it in a in a week mm-hmm. like in terms of lives being lost he's like that's why i win like cuz they're fighting with their aristocrats who have their local conscriptions and a handful of like standing army people he's like and i make my entire country go to war and that's the difference and you're like holy crap but it the 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 french and german and all of that stuff the Maginot line with the netherlands like all of these things they all have such i mean it's like 200 years were of war were fought and ended at world war ii it's crazy and to think that we can just you know i don't know i just think it's fascinating i really do there's a
1: real it is (laughs) It is good to know things. It's good to read, despite what, what I said three podcasts ago. It is good to develop your your intelligence and to advance thought. But one of the interesting things that, that I think happens is like we start to speed up what we're able to learn, what we're able to, to do, with it and how fast we're able to, and how fast we're able to do both. Right. So you actually go a decent. Um, there, I mean, there are obviously things like the Civil War. War with uh, Japan and Russia, like there are wars, but within the West, for the most part, after the, the Napoleonic War, it's a period of relative peace. But it's all st- like you still have modernity is coming. I mean, you, you still have all of these ideas happening, and you have this continual ad- like advancement of of thought, which then gets to like the Oppenheimer stuff. Like we were able to build guns that could like you know we could have like on, like cannons the size of a house being like you know go three four miles during the first world war um okay we have the technology to be able to then do that stuff doesn't mean that we should have but like the world just can't seem to help itself like it's to me it's like like a consequence of a thing like of original sin because we you just kind of can't you just can't stop and you know like they when they get to the part, like one of the like valid points that this that this film does make is that okay, like I mean it was it is very, very clear that the Manhattan project to build the atom bomb is about trying to beat the Nazis. And then all of a sudden like they're done and they're still you know building the bomb. and we've talked you know you you have talked about this we have I've talked about this before where, when you look at the choice to drop the atom bomb on on Japan, Truman had no regrets about it at all. Because to him, it was a choice between we either drop the bombs or we lose at least one million American men.
0: So mm-hmm. it
1: was no question. I mean, he didn't even think twice about it. That uh, I mean, we can. I'm going to go into that if we want to, but
0: oh, sure. no, we're coming up on an
1: hour and we haven't <laughs> done
0: Barbie yet. So I, I know, maybe right? It's I have so many that- thoughts,
1: but I will. Let, let me just end and here. There's yeah. even, like I've I've heard that. That Oppenheimer is even more incredible in the seventy millimeter IMAX. In yeah, the, it's tired in the seventy millimeter IMAX um, because you, you you get a feel for like the the like a men at a table arguing fast kind of stuff. It's like it's very overwhelming. I mean, it, in a good way. So I'm, I'm going to try to go to Indianapolis and perhaps convince our friend Paul to go with me. Uh, to see it on because they do have a screen for that out there. It's the closest one to me, I think. So where it's out in Indianapolis. Oh, okay. So it's 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 actually meant to be seen on a screen like that. Yeah. It's real film. Yeah. It's it's like oh, it's it's a it's even a different aspect ratio from what you get mm-hmm. in a traditional IMAX. Yeah, it's
0: like gigantic. The, uh, and I will say the sorry. I was Go just ahead. gonna say I, Go I think I mentioned it with Mission Impossible. How they had to change it from an IMAX a shot for IMAX to an IMAX experience because Oppenheimer secured the rights to IMAX and seventy millimeter film, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what that's what Tom Cruise wanted for his movie, and it got um, basically they were only allowed nine days in IMAX theaters <laughs> when, because Oppenheimer came. Like, and what Christopher Nolan is going to do with that? What, what, what he
1: did is far and away better than anything that Tom Cruise and people over at Mission Im, Im, Impossible could have done. He is a real auteur in every sense of the word, and it is it is something else. I'm going to see this again and again, if I can, in the theater. I want to see it on like as big of a screen as I can. I want to wrestle with it. I want to read I, I am enthralled nice. by this film. One quick thing on our Patreon, patreon.com slash CF. That's patreon.com slash CF. Curious what I thought about Truman's per- portrayal after I read the autobiography. According to one of the authors of American Prometheus, the scene between Oppenheimer and Truman is pretty accurate. I would agree. Truman was a man who knew how limited his intelligence or was. Who also understood the burden that that he that he had, and I thought, I was curious, I was kind of excited to hear how they did his accent because having read a lot about him, I've never, <laughs> I've actually only i listened to a very unlimited amount of Truman stuff. So to hear how they did his like um, his Missouri draw was, I thought that was great, and that was uh, Gary Oldman, right? Like wow, a two minute scene, and it was great, and like it's kind of um, and like I true, love Gary. Yeah, it was. I I thought it was um. It, it, I I couldn't. I need to reread that part of the biography to kind of see what it said. But it seemed like yeah, that's probably how the kind of that would have gone. So yeah, Oppenheimer, great film. It's it really um, wrestles with with some very heavy things. I think which we need to um, think about because we live in a post-nuclear age where we can absolutely destroy the world many times over. So worth seeing. Mm, interesting. Here it is. It's time for you to book that Catching Foxes live show you've always wanted to. We are back in full force doing our live shows. We have dates available for the rest of 2023 and going into May of 2024. Uh, Catching Fox's live shows are something a little bit different. They're really fun. They're very energetic. They're a great way just to kind of maybe get some important conversations going to build up some excitement around a program or, a type of, or some type of ministry that you have going on. They are an absolute blast. We've had the privilege and the blessing to do them across the country, and we're back. And these, we really, really are now committed to, not that we weren't before, but in a particular way, committed to making these affordable to you. So we can work with any budget, really anything that you will want to do, we can do this. You want to do something small. You want to do something big. You want us to come and do a thing on a particular topic, a particular set of topics. We can do it for you. If you want to bring Gomer out for a parish a parish mission, we can do an event the night before. We could do a parish talk the night. We could, we could do something afterwards. There are tons of opportunities here. So if you want to inquire, you're not committing to anything, but if you, if you just want to know, hey, Luke, how can I book a show? How does this work? How can I do and not have to pay you guys a dime? Here's how. So I want you to go to catchingfoxes.fm. Again, it's catchingfoxes.fm. One more time for the old people in the back catchingfoxes.fm on the right of the of the homepage it hasn't been updated in a while there's a part that has been you're going to see a button on the top right that says book a live show Hit that link. That's going to take you to a quick form that that, that you can complete to give us a bit of an idea for your show. And in 24 to 48 hours-ish, we will get back to you just to have the conversation about what you're looking to do and how we can serve you. That's ultimately what we're, we're trying to serve you and the ministry that you are doing. So if you want to book a fun Catching Foxes live show to help you out in your ministry, let us know. Again, we'll do anything. We'll just hang out and like watch a movie if that's really what you want to do. But we want to be at the service of of the people who are doing the real important work. So go to catchingfoxes.fm. One more time, that is catchingfoxes.fm. Click on the book a live show link. It's right at the top right and complete a very quick form. Should take you less than a minute, I would imagine, if that. And we'll book a conversation with you about how we can get a live show going for you and the people that you serve.
0: Thank you to us for being us. All right. Bye. Barbie. I really, so let me say this. I really, you've you've inspired me. I want to try to go to my IMAX and see it. I have one pretty close by, an AMC IMAX theater, and that's where I saw Captain Marvel, and I was the only person in the theater. (laughs) I was like, yes, Captain Marvel must be seen in IMAX. And I was alone. I didn't even take my wife. I mean, why would I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's a movie for me. She didn't like Brie Larson. (laughs) Actually, she loved Brooklyn, or liked Brooklyn. So I think I'm gonna do it. I think I'm gonna do it. Okay. So also my setup for Barbie. I haven't seen Barbie, obviously. I've I've watched some reviews of it and I tried to balance my reviews because the so there's Jeremy Johns, which is just like a straight here's the five minute review. You know, he's got like two million followers on YouTube. Um I watched his for Oppenheimer and for Barbie. Um and it was interesting his take on it, because he tries to remain like politically neutral or whatever. I watched You know my favorite guy. I don't agree with him on everything, of course. I was the issue that freaking disclaimer, but the critical drinker and his review of Barbie, where he says he calls it the greatest lie ever told. That if you watch the trailers and then watch the movie, you feel like it's a totally different thing, or your expectations are different. Anywho, and then I, I, I even watched on Double Speed Ben Shapiro's review, which was funny. And then I watched The View critiquing Ben Shapiro, and then I just watched a handful of like more liberal left-leaning like one guy actually hates the critical drinker so i watched his review as well and so that's all i have kind of bubbling up in my head
1: i'll i'll have to i'm sending you the, the link to the esquire guy because he talks about how it's a actual conservative of film in the truest sense of the word conservative he really compared it to homer's odyssey so okay i which i think i, I think actually makes a little bit of sense did I say that right? Is it's 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 called the Odyssey, right? I'm
0: I'm getting yeah, a little yeah, tired. Yeah. Okay, okay. The Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah, I was
1: like, yeah. I'm at that point where I'm like, do I know how
0: to spell the word bat? Am I just what's <laughs> what's wrong with me? You know, I had that point, where, I like, had to write the word secret today, and I wrote it like three times, and I'm like, is that is that how you spell it? Isn't it weird? Your brain kind of like,
1: wait, wait, what is this right? <laughs> I mean, it's just okay before i, I want to get into what your general understanding of it like from all that stuff that like you that yeah you saw again like you haven't i'm seen the movies this is just one like like the the dialogue a a a a, a rounded, if if you will what is worse uh going t- as a as a 40 year old man going to see barbie just by yourself or going to see barbie by yourself for your podcast what's <laughs> what's what's
0: worse Uh, Going by yourself without the podcast, because the podcast provides cover. Whereas, if you went by yourself as a forty-year-old man and you didn't have a reason for being in the theater, I would be very scared of you. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, (laughs) I will say this about
1: Barbie before you kind of tell me like your thoughts from all of just all of the reviews. When the guy from like the I don't know the drunk dude whatever. When he says, if you saw the preview f- for the film and then you saw the movie, these are these are two different um, things, I would not agree with that in the slightest, but I also like am well aware of who is directing the film, which is what made me very excited. Her name is Greta Gerwig. She's actually one of the few big directors in Hollywood right now that is an older a millennial. So she's like mm. us. Like she used a Dave Matthews. Uh, she used a song Crush in her film. I think it was in Lady Bird. So I think it was her. Like she is us. And it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Because I have. Actually haven't seen any of her films I right now. I'm absolutely going to. But I have I, um, have read and I've heard enough about her to have an idea of like what she was about. And I was not disappointed at, at all. But I just wanted to. I'm going to throw that out there. Because I think that's kind of not fair but if you don't pay attention to like who are the um hot directors in terms of like people actually have a distinct style and a and a distinct voice i guess i could
0: kind of i could kind of like see that but so she has her director credits nights and weekends in 2008 lady bird which is her most famous in 2017 then little women in 2019 then dua lipa dance the night music video in 2023 and then barbie
1: Mm-hmm. Right, so yeah.
0: that's her. Those are her directing credits. Now she's an actress in a ton of movies, tons of movies, TV shows, all that stuff. So, very much feminist background credits and all that stuff. So this is what this is what I know of of the movie from from the various reviews. Number one, the visuals, especially of Barbie Land, is incredible. Mm-hmm. The co- from the costume, the set pieces, everything yep. like. If you're familiar with the plastic toy, you're gonna think it's hilarious. Like apparently, like the shower that doesn't pour out of water because, of course, the toy doesn't. Like all the costumes, the designs, the outfits, the everything is so on brand, literally <laughs> with with the Barbie stuff. And then Margot Robbie and what's his name? Why am I blanking? Ryan, Ryan Gosling? Gosling. Yeah, yeah. That both of them were absolutely incredible. Agree. Yeah. In in you know, and when you hear that she is barbie you're like of course she is because she's a living barbie and when you hear that he's ken and how they (laughs) his hair like from the previews you're like oh gosh this is so perfect in the in the in the casting and all that stuff and so yeah so the a lot of the reviews say that all the barbie land stuff is the funniest that ryan gosling is kind of the one driving the comedy with his depiction of ken and all that stuff and so yeah that that's all the the good stuff and i also want to say uh while i did not grow up playing barbies my kids discovered the barbie cartoon and it is effing hilarious (laughs) it is worth every parent to watch not the cartoon where they actually try to stay true to barbie but where they're like it's like a computer animated cartoon it is hysterical i would watch it with my kids i would watch it today even though none of my kids would probably watch that show anymore. Ken is hilarious. Barbie is hilarious. So from watching the previews, what I thought it would be is like a toy story, right? Like magical, you know, these toys in the in Barbie land, and then they have to go into the real world, and it's kind of like enchanted, right? Like here mm. she goes yeah. from the cartoon yep. Yep. into the real world, and it's, you know, you learn life lessons, you get a little tougher, you figure things out, you overcome drama and trauma and all of these things. And then you bring those lessons back, and Barbie land becomes a better place because it's more real. Okay. So then when I'm watching, is that good so far? Is that, is that, is that, uh, do you want to hear my, the reviews?
1: <laughs> I, I, I you know, I would want to hear like, just like what, like, just a, like a, I'm mean, not like each, not like each thing, but just like a. Yeah. So the, here's main, the big thing then. And, and,
0: yeah I could, I could so Barbie leaves her <laughs> okay, so let me just give it to you, so in Barbie land, all the women are in charge, and they're all the Barbie different iterations and different types and in, in the world of the Barbie toys, and all the men are like they don't have any agency outside of loving the Barbie character and all that stuff, and they they all live vapid empty lives, they love to the beach and then they go Ken goes with Barbie Barbie's not like in love with Ken but Ken is like head over heels for Barbie they go into the real world and then she finds out oh instead of the matriarchy of Barbie land now it's the patriarchy especially of the Mattel corporation and you know she's rollerblading gets her ass slapped and she punches a guy and it's like and then Ken loves it and then Ken takes the patriarchy back into Barbie land and all the women become you know all the men are taught by Ken how to engage in the patriarchy and all the women go along with it and then Barbie returns and she because of her interactions with America and and her daughter that she learns what it means to be a woman in this world and all this stuff and what Barbie represents in this world the the conflicting messages of Barbie and then you know is she a fascist even though she doesn't control the railways she um, was so, i
1: laughed i laughed so hard at that joke i don't control the rail the railways or commerce i laughed yes yeah. like i was the only one who laughed in the theater at that yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and then and then she goes back and she has to pull the women like one by one and deprogram them from the patriarchy and then it ends with it going back to the way it was more or less beforehand but with barbie independent of ken and ken independent of barbie Right, like she tells he, Ken, just be Ken, and I'll be Barbie, and we don't need to, you know. But I'm nothing without Barbie. It's like, yeah, but you need to find out who Ken is.
1: Yeah, um, there's a little bit more than that at the right. end. There's actually a, like a lot more in terms of the emotional heft. But that's for the most part, yeah. Like those are like those are the basic beats of the film. And again, if you are spoiled, sorry, but I don't think it'll it'll ruin the film for you because because it's a really fun journey. For the most part, people have said that that like the first uh, parts grade, it, in the middle kind of drags, and then once they're back at Um Barbie Land, it's like awesome until the end. I would agree
0: with that. The funniest thing is how many people said they hated the Mattel scene. I I yeah. So I was yeah. I I could see why
1: it's a little bit okay. So here's the thing that Christopher Nolan did in The Dark Knight Rises. He took on too many big ideas. And he was, mm-hmm. in my opinion, he was never able to really bring them all together for an, an interesting as well as like a satisfying, cohesive whole. Barbie is kind of like that in the sense that there are a lot of ideas that are introduced and they don't necessarily all come together or are explored with the depth that you might want. So they get into the like the, you made some really hard ideals for certain women to to, you know, hit or like how responsible is a Mattel for things like eating disorders or other things like that. I think I think those are valid questions. Um, I'm not saying they should be punished. or We should, you know, I'm, I'm just saying like we as like a culture, we should um, we should um, wrestle with how does our, uh, our how does our um, culture impact us? Those are good things to to try to ex try to explore it. I think Ben, I haven't watched, okay, like, what was Ben Shapiro's
0: main, main argument? Well, so what he did was, he took, like, ten pages of notes, and he, like, was just going through his notebook, but his whole thing was, number one, this move. he's like, who is the audience? Is the audience moms with their eight-year-old girls? Because if it is, so many of the jokes go over the heads of children that they wouldn't even get. To, and there is like uh, a couple jokes that should not be in the presence of little kids. Agree. Agree. Yep. Yep. Gay masturbation joke of mm-hmm. beaching off and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because one of my, one of the guys who's not like liberal or who's more liberal, he was like, I don't know who the audience is for this. I mean, obviously adult women and their daughters, but like your daughters should be maybe like 16, seven, even though it has a PG 13 rating, they should be a little bit older because they, I don't even think they'll get uh, a, a lot of the jokes behind it. And so it was interesting, like, that was one of his main things. And then he talks about, like, the whole Mattel thing. It's actually the exact opposite in reality, that Mattel for 38 years was chaired by women. But, you know, the chairman was a woman. It wasn't a a secretly oppressive thing to destroy women's self-image and all this stuff. Although it's, it's. but he did say it's well and good to question the cultural impact of these things. Right, like, yeah, you have a Barbie that's no longer a baby doll that little girls were playing with. The opening scene, yeah. Then now it's this young, beautiful, thin, impossibly, you know, whatever. But it's a doll. It's not, you know, okay. So he talks about, you know, the Barbie does have mixed messages, and it's good to kind of talk about those things in the way that they did. Great, and he also praised all the set pieces and the and the way that was kind of a fun acid trip. But the main thing was, if your whole intention is to show how men rule everything and he's like the 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 sad thing about it was they like go out of their way to show you that the best kind of life is an independent i don't need anyone whether it's Ken or Barbie i don't need anyone thing and it's all done in the guise of tearing down the patriarchy which for him he has that sensitive obviously he's a political pundit so he's going to yeah. read this stuff and And I think, like, one, he could be sensitive to it, or two, he could be oversensitive to it. But the funny thing was hearing another YouTuber who said, you know, really, he was joking at the very end. He goes, so I think the central core of this message is if men stop simping for women who are out of their reach, they can take over the world. Oh, crap. That wasn't the point of the message. Oh, no. Maybe I missed it. Because that was his thing of, like... Here, Ken finally is is treated like a human being in the real world, but then he becomes a patriot you know, the patriarchy, and then so that that's a, a largely their critiques. Okay, that it's not that it resolves back. Let me just say, it resolves yeah. back to more or less it resolves back to matriarchy, not hey, let's mm-hmm, let's sure. like avoid both of these things. Yeah, yeah, and then and then the funny line was, but here's the deal: if women are so powerful and so brave, how could Ken and all the Kens take over? in like just one day without barbie and like they throw it all and then you know it's like and it's all brainwashing like the value that men have and blah 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 i mean the poster is she's everything ken is just ken Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah so i
1: want to qualify this by saying like i know i have a bit of a brand of being a person who will push back against the conservative right as i slowly become more and more progressive but I, I'm trying to be aware of that, and I'm obviously this is not directed towards like towards you. So I want you to just like walk me. Through the light. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That's brilliant. <laughs> oh my god!
0: You're welcome. <laughs>
1: that was that was f-ing great. <laughs> that, was pr- <laughs> that was so funny. Way to go! Oh man! First prize! First prize! Oh, that was so fu- okay. So. I think Ben Shapiro. I just want to be like, did you see the end? Did you see the last scene? Because that kind of is the point of the whole of film. To me, this is a film. Okay, this is the film about the consequence of of. Idealization and of like and of almost living in a in a world of ideas and what that is, I, forget, I forget I forget that guy's I wish I could remember his like um, YouTube name because I followed him on Twitter then he created a page on YouTube and it's great but he, he calls it a very conservative on um, the film and he's and he's comparing it to basically how utopia actually isn't possible and a world with you know out limits is actually a very um dangerous and fake thing ultimately but and I think this is one of like the flaws of like of the film is that it tries to take on too much, so there are two scenes that I'm that I'm thinking of in in particular when Barbie first kind of encounters like after she's on on Venice Beach and she's in a park and she cries for the first time. It's because she sees human beings interacting; they're all just being good and normal. It's men. It's it's women. It's kids. It's people just being on being on people, and she's like overwhelmed by just. How like beautiful it is and just how nice it is, and how it's not this sort of intense thing it's just people being on uh being like normal and there's a and she sees a perf- a like profound beauty there it really reminds me actually of the end um of like um of like Fargo when the cop tells like the guy who just i'm got arrested like it was a like, really great day today why did you have to go and do all this stuff like like why can't you be happy with a normal life? why did you, why did you have to do all of these evil things why couldn't you just be happy with what you had and she sees she sees profound beauty in your average everyday life cuz that's where um, a beauty is ultimately all right and um and so i'm like did you skip over that part and then at the end she i'm not trying to i mean we we have we have spoiled a lot here but there's one part that I'm going to try to not, not spoil, but there is this aspect of, I thought a lot about um, Benedict's theology of of affirmation, where a lot of the characters, this has to be revealed, what they come to understand has to be revealed to itself through, of to them through their interaction with other people. And it's not about Barbie, Isolating her herself as much as it is Barbie wanting to dwell in reality. And that's a thing that's ultimately has to um be revealed to us so we can fully enter into, which she does at the end in a very critical way that I don't want to go into. And this guy on on YouTube, he made this point and it was brilliant. The last scene I think is very intentional. And I want to add, like, who's this film on the four? It's for grown women, I think. Like, that's the target audience. That's why it's been so big. I mean, that and obviously, like, the really great market. I mean, like, okay, so, like, um, film nerds like me have been talking about this weekend on Twitter for months. Yeah, so, I'm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I think it's great. I, totally. I'm, like, not surprised by, uh, by, like, any of this. And, to me, it's a f- like I don't know. I haven't seen I haven't seen a bunch of Greta McGurwig's other work, so I, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't I haven't I haven't seen any of it, so I can't I'm comment on that. But I did know that she was a person who like commented on like sh- like on like what does a- existence mean, right? That's kind of one of the points of of this film. And I would be like, if you didn't know what this was, like in the trailer, Barbie goes, "Have any guys ever thought about death?" and it just like stops everything. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that's what this film's about. <laughs> like, have you ever thought about like what it means to it exist? And I think what I one of the things that I really took away from you know this movie was that um this thing that I think we've been wrestling with for a long time, which is that like when you get stuck in, a, in like in just say a world of ideas and you lose touch with reality, but that's a really dark place. And I remember this in two thousand and eighteen when all that crap was going on and I was so angry and I was so upset. I remember like, I can't live in that headspace anymore, which is why I can't, I don't listen to the Ben Shapiro's or the Matt Walsh's or any, cause I'm just like, it's just arguing about ideas all the time. And I, I just, I would, I just, after a while, like it's, it's, it's great to talk about those, those things. I don't want to live there. And that's what this film is about. It's like, you can't live in a world of ideas. Those are good things like ideas are good they're great things to even um, talk about obviously going back to that one one quote but like you can't live there because it's not that's like you know like not reality and there's a scene in um barbie where she turns to this old woman after who's on a bench um next after she's like had this profound realization of just the beauty of everyday life and this is a this is a testament to the script and to margot robbie where she just turns it's like this like old woman just goes, you're beautiful. And like, you really unbelieve that like she means that. And then he, like, and then the old woman responds by just saying, I'm going to thank you. And there's, I think, I just feel like they want to argue about, like, I don't think they're really paying attention. Like they're not really paying attention to like what, what the film is about. But I like, will say all of the patriarchy stuff is very much over the top. That's the point and there is a bit of like when they're kind of doing the whole overtaking of all of the guys barbie does go like but we've treated ken like you can actually see that she started to and ken has basically ex- how ken feels profoundly ignored and disrespected by barbie and he brings that up to her why he has done this stuff and i think she starts to realize that she kind of pushes back a bit against against some of some parts of when they're like overthrowing all of of the dudes which she's saying but like but i've kind of heard him like i've actually like i don't even know like where he lives and it's funny in the beginning of the film the way the kens were all portrayed they really reminded me of like annoying nice guys who yeah. as they relate to like to women can only they actually can't treat the women as people the only way they like are able to interact with with i'm um, a uh, like with like i'm um, the uh with of them is through the context of who they are to the women. So Ken wants to be Barbie's boyfriend. That's all he cares about. It's just being her boyfriend, not her as an actual person. And he's just created and he's meant to exist in this like type of utopian perfect ideal place. He's he's just an accessory. So of course, when he's exposed to like a world where like guys have a lot of power, He's going to be enthralled by the patriarchy. He, it kind of, what you see where we talked about this before, where that's where all the masculinity gets like, gets almost toxic, almost as like, like, like reaction. And all he wants is to be, is he wants to be seen. He wants to be known. He wants to be respected. And she doesn't, uh, she doesn't respect him at all. And she starts to acknowledge that towards the end of the film. And she admits her faults. The problem is that, the film this is with like a lot of other ideas that are presented in it doesn't do a good enough job of diving into that Mm. so you don't end up like it's actually not the same utopia as it was before there's a little bit of like sobriety and like we need to rethink how everything almost how everything like is it's also a toy world so, so there's that but there is an acknowledgement of, like, this actually, like, we need to be a little bit better here. But it, it's it's also not about relationship between on the men and women. It's a film for and about women. So it's told through that point of view.
0: That's a cool take on it. I like that.
1: Big thank you to longtime listener Kyle and the good people at the Saintly app for sponsoring this episode. So as Catholics... We all struggle with our phone, using them too much, or even, in the worst case, allowing them to become a portal to sin. If you have listened to our podcast for even five minutes, you know how we feel about that and how we agree. Today, I want to tell you about uh, Saintly, the app that helps you use your phone to deepen your, your faith, not send you to hell. With Saintly, you can surround yourself with the beauty of traditional Catholic art right now on your phone. Choose from a huge library of stunning masterpieces, carefully handcrafted to work as your iPhone's wallpaper or lock screen (laughs) take that android people i'm so excited about this because i have done this before and i love having a like a really cool religious image on my phone but typically they're of a somewhat lower quality for the images that i that i want you can get you know crap ones of, of of high quality anywhere so i'm super excited to use this app i was thrilled when he told me about it but that's not all i wasn't just thrilled Stay connected to your faith with custom widgets that keep you informed about the saint of the day and important feast day. Each day, you are presented with beautiful art focused on that day's saint, and you can read more about the saint and the artist who created the art. So the fact that they have a widget about, like, Saint's Day, the fact that they have stuff about um the feast days, which I'll be honest, your boy Luke has forgotten once or twice, not to go, but that there even was a feast day, and that they have some stuff about the art, and particularly about the artist. I just think that is great. Catching Foxes listeners, that's you and you and even you can get three months free of the premium subscription by using a special promo code in the app. Just go to the website besaintly.org slash foxes to learn more. That's B-E-S-A-I-N-T-L-Y dot org slash F-O-X-E-S, otherwise known as Foxes, to learn more. Download Saintly now and transform your iPhone into a window to the divine. Take that, Tim Cook. Let the profound beauty of hundreds of years of beautiful Catholic art. I, I'm just kidding. I love you, Tim Cook. Let the profound beauty of hundreds of years of beautiful Catholic art elevate your phone and deepen your connection with your faith. One more time, go to org slash foxes to learn more and get your three months free of Saintly Premium. Thank you to Kyle and the good people at Saintly for sponsoring this very long episode of Catching Foxes.
0: Like for me. I, I, I am totally happy to give as much leeway as possible for the films like this because it's like the Barbie doll was more or less a female toy mm-hmm. and everything in Barbie's life was an accessory. people, houses, mansions, the convertible car, the exactly you know, all of that all of that stuff and there are different ways of playing on film with those those kind of tropes, right Like in the Barbie cartoon that I was talking about earlier, you know, she goes into her closet, and her closet is huge. And she's all of her clothes are not just hung up in the closet, but they're hung up in the plastic wrap, right? And so she's like, "Oh, I used to be an astronaut and a doctor, and I was a rodeo clown." Like she has, like you know, so you can play with these things. And uh, the kind of meta, what do you call meta modern approach, right? Is mm-hmm. you're trying to tell a story, and you're trying to point out that you're telling a story. And you're trying to have commentary on all these social issues while also trying to inhabit the world of the story, which in this case is Barbie land and how silly that is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, so you can, the, the funny thing is like, like one of the things that Whoopi Goldberg did in the, on the view was when she was attacking Ben Shapiro and stuff like that. She said, you know, well, even in the end, all your criticisms were dumb because it's a movie about a doll it's a doll movie and it's like yeah so that that is that's funny because that's how people do this stuff all the time like they use films about seemingly childish things that is true in order to make in order to and and it gives them cover so like for instance one of the famous things that john stewart did when he went on cnn and like destroyed the the host of the show i can't remember what show i it think was. it was tucker carlson right it was yeah tucker carlson like way back in the day but I can't, was the show, it was a cross, was it was a crossfire. Yes. Yes. I can't remember. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, And it's, it's amazing. And so when they, when Tucker Carlson starts pushing back on him, he says, look, I, you know, I'm, my show airs between, you know, a cartoon, whatever, and, uh, puppets who make prank phone calls. So it's like the silliness gives cover in order to treat like serious things. Right. And we've always done that. That's a good point. Um, toy story treating, you know, you know, childhood issues and all this stuff. But so the the, the other thing is like it. There's an irresponsibility that can come there when you're treat, trying to treat all these different things. The other thing is like the. I love the idea of these movies because you're like, let's explore what this doll has meant, to the lives, of American girls as they are now women, adult women, grandmothers. Because it came out what 58 grandmothers mothers daughters you know my daughter played with barbies one of my daughters did; the other one didn't you know it means a lot and you and like the fact that they called her fascist the mattel people were furious but they were like we'll allow it they and the fact that they treated them like they were a bunch of fascist people was pretty crazy (laughs) for the company to allow that too but uh their whole idea was like listen we know we're not going to like everything in this movie because part of the movie is exploring the cultural impact and it's not all good and you can say that and you can do that. I just I just think like the environment wherein this movie is cast when you have this play on patriarchy and matriarchy and all these things, that like you said, they're asking big questions, not all of them can be answered, and that's fine. But there is an element that's like, but this will be received in such an environment. Right? And so like part of the movie in delivering a message is the mode of the hearer. What is actually being communicated? Now, I don't think she needs to worry about Ben Shapiro when she's making her movie. But just you know that there is this standing critique out there of, oh, this is just more woke garbage. It could have been a great movie for mothers with their daughters. But they kind of removed the young daughter element with the humor. And then they removed, you know, a a big segment with this emphasis on patriarchy and all this stuff so that that's that's the i don't know that's my two cents i guess yeah i again i'm not agreeing with ben shapiro no just, yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah no what I... yeah my thing is and and even the critical drinker highlights i think the exact two elements that you were talking about of like where humanity breaks in and those are actually great moments that come through in the movie and then it's like yeah but it's still set within this backdrop of blah 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 and i there's a
1: there's a valid argument to be made that it is okay to debate about what kind of. I I, I actually I hate to say that art should be one thing because I'm one of those. I'm not. I'm not an art is subjective person by any means necessary. I am a. Let's pay attention to what they're trying to like to say here before we get our panties all up in a bunch. Like let's really like <laughs> like let's like what are they actually what are they saying here? Like don't feel fo- like. You could say they're focusing on the patriarchy and how it's bad, okay, and they're trying to tear down um, men, but that's actually not what. I don't think that was really the point of the film. the The point just presumes that you th- that you think patriarchy is bad. So then what? Like, like if you just view um, men as this like evil, dumb, um, thing there, then you miss out on like human um connection. Like it's the it's the connection. It's everyone being together in the boring, ordinary um. Or in like world where there are no obvious power dynamics that that attracts Barbie, and it's too like too like too like humanity, and it's not, and it's not a utopia. It's just people just being. It's like the good part of like um, humanity, just boring stuff, hanging out, having fun at a park. Anyway, my my point is like there is like I I, I do like I'm wrestling with with the idea of like are there consequences if you try to make the Barbie film be anything beyond like Is it wrong to have a Barbie film directed by someone like Greta Gerwig? I would say no, but I do think it's an interesting thought thought experiment to say, is there danger in taking a film that's going to have an appeal to very young girls by the very nature of what it is and make it that serious? Because five-year-old, I mean, there were a lot of young kids, not a bunch, but there were some young kids at, this film that I saw, I mean, it was like, it was, it was almost when I was like, your, your kids three, why are they here? You know, like <laughs> I would never take Everly to, to, to see this movie. I, uh, you know, I probably like would want her to see when she was in high school, older high school. And so I, I again, I think it's great that it's, it is directed. I think it should be directed by whoever wants to, whoever they want to make. It. I don't think I don't, I'm not a fan of saying art should only be done in this one particular way but it is good to weigh the consequences of having a barbie film that is this serious because it is i would say it's a serious i mean it's a
0: i'm not sure i would say it's a comedy but it, i mean no i guess it's it supposed is. to be i guess it's supposed to be that's the other big criticism is it's really not that funny there are funny parts See, I, but it's not that funny i didn't agree with that but I, I i wasn't expecting to like go into a comedy
1: i was expecting to go into a a thriller <laughs> pop like i was expecting to see almost kind of like an andy um, warhol and the campbell soup stuff it's about pop but it's it's commenting on pop and it's i'm using pop to also make other um comments about like a like um society at large
0: yeah
1: i was expecting it to be fun and i thought it was fun
0: it's a fun cultural commentary
1: yeah and, and i just you know but i so i i guess I, I could see the point of like hey we're introducing some heavy like i don't
0: know i don't i'm i'm it, it doesn't matter. Like, here's the deal: it, it's it's art, right? It's it's people trying to get a message across. I'm just trying to give everyone these the benefit- mediums.
1: Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm yeah. trying
0: to give everyone the, the like benefit of the doubt,
1: and not be like, "Well, Ben Shapiro's on the right," so he he's. I just to me, anyone who's trying to comment on what this film is saying about the patriarchy completely misses the point because it's a means to an end within the story. It's not necessarily commenting on the patriarchy i think it is trying to comment on how women view the themselves in the world and the experience of being a woman and that's where like i was really struck by the film and john paul john paul ii's the feminine genius i actually think it has some things t- to say about that that kind of actually fall in in fall in line with what john paul ii said so Again, it's not I I think Oppenheimer is a better film. I just think Barbie's a really, really good movie. And I love that they're so different and they came out on the same weekend. Oh my gosh, I know. But again, what's so interesting is they are like, they're not exactly about the same thing, obviously. (laughs) But there is, there like is an element about what are the consequences of ideas. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's not the main point of, I think it's more of a point in Barbie. Than it is in Oppenheimer, but Oppenheimer has a lot to say about that. Or with Barbie, it's one of the main points of the film: is like get out of on land and dwell, and dwell in reality a bit more. It's better there. It's not saying that like ideas are bad. It's saying that you can't live there. That's not
0: real. Yeah, yeah. Which is a message I endorse.
1: Yeah. Yes, and I, you know, I I just I would like really. You know what I want to do with barbie i want to go see it with matt frad and i don't want to record although i do and i want to be like "Okay, okay just behind let's pretend that no one's listening let's just talk like what do you think i i could i could see him like hating it and then maybe coming around to it or i could see him kind of being like i saw some good and bad but the bad stuff was just kind of annoying yeah I hope I walked, I was trying to walk a, like a fine line of being like, I don't, I, I don't want to, I'm going to write off anyone just because I don't disagree with what they are saying. Yeah, no, I think we're good.
0: I but think who good. knows? It's an hour and a half. It's a good show. <laughs> it's an hour and a half, <laughs> It's Luke. a good show. Stop talking about Barbie. It's 1143 and I have to get up early in the morning. Just
1: because you have thoughts doesn't mean you need to share them.
0: Actually, it does because private thoughts cannot be monetized.
1: Thank you to our, <laughs> our sponsors.
0: Thanks to Nets. and a buddy of mine from my home parish is going to sponsor something. Oh, it's right. right. I it's been-
1: he may have got. If you are hearing this and you haven't heard heard back from me, and you are that guy, please get back in touch with me. I was so busy when I got your email. I told him that. Okay, good, good. I think I think he may have sent me some points, and I just need to get back to him I'm like some bullet points. So sorry.
0: Cool. Ah, What's so All busy? Right. So busy. Bye, Luke.
1: Love you, buddy. Wait, don't don't leave. Let me stop first. Leave.
0: What are gonna say they were not allowed to pull out oh luke i know luke.
1: i know i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry the low-hanging <laughs> fruit my brain just of catching went. foxes that's immediately said...
0: <laughs> yeah said, no but i was gonna say ago, he... i would not have stopped myself yeah you're growing you're changing as a person there's growth there's growth there